The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You get to draft against you know, three, five, ten-man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on draft are over 80% better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded draft. You can play in real life NBA, NFL. They have NHL. PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them all. And it keeps getting better, better, and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. The event finishes, but they're fi- and they're filling fast. Every second, drafts are filling. They have them up until your game. Games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, and you have to use the promo code SD Sports. All one word, SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back to another edition of Bench to Bubba. This is episode 76. We're going to talk some uh, recent MLB transactions, Seattle Mariners and their fantasy relevance, and then dip into the top 30 fantasy baseball outfielders. And in order to do so, joined by a special guest today. You can find him on Twitter at Mike the Rotocop. Works at Fantasy Assembly and Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Mike, how we doing? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. No, no problem. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me uh, last week or the week before. That was a good time talking Giants baseball. So let's talk some fantasy today. We'll mix in your Mariners as well. But um, on the day that the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational gets started, let's talk about four recent transactions that 
may end up later in drafts, actually, because they have some relevance. Now, the Twins signed Logan Morrison to be their first baseman. Um, interesting deal. It could be a two-year deal. But what we're worried about, the fantasy relevance, how do you think Lomo slots in with the Minnesota Twins? Well, with Lomo, I think this was a pretty uh, best-case scenario almost for him to go to Minnesota. He's in a good lineup. He'll be hitting cleanup probably between Suno and Buxton. And his ADP is right around that 25 range, which I think is pretty good with uh, Justin Boers and the Ryan Healy's. I think he's in that that group of guys. I put out a, something on Twitter when he signed about him being one of the launch angle guys who really his fly ball rate went from 34 in 2016 to 46 in 2017. So he's obviously made a conscious effort to get the ball in the air more. And that's in turn led him to 38 homers from last year and the park transition as well. So I think this was definitely a good move for Lomo. Yeah, definitely can fit in the middle of that order. And uh, it's a pretty up and coming batting order of youngsters there. So don't hate that at all. Uh, a move that I really, the more I looked at it yesterday, Lucas Duda to the Royals, I think can be sneaky, sneaky nice. Uh, Yancey Eaton tweeted out a comparison of I think the last three years of Duda and Hosmer's numbers. And Duda might be slightly better actually, which is hilarious. But um, a cheap, cheap deal for the Royals. They'll be right in the middle of that order because they don't have much else to deal with, and he does bring a little bit of pop to a, a team that's going to need it. So uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Lucas Duda this year? Uh, this is a this is a move that I don't like as much as other people. He will give you the cheap power, and he will get the at-bats. The problem is he's so injury-prone, it all depends on his health. So I'm not willing to take that risk. But in a terrible lineup, he should be hitting in a good spot, and he should be getting every day at-bats, which could lead to the value there. And I don't know if I saw the same tweet as you. It was um, his career OPS against Eric Hosmer's. Hosmer's was a 781. Dudas was a 796. And then it showed their salaries. And Hosmer's, Hosmer's making 17, 16 and a half more million than Dudas, which is funny that he has a higher career OPS and he's making $16.5 million less. But I'm not, I'm not all in on Duda because of the health issue. But if he is healthy and he does get every day at best, that's going to turn in some value, some cheap power, because he will hit his 25, 30 home runs. Yeah, exactly. And that's all I'm looking for, because right now, obviously, his ADP will start to climb now that he's he's signed to the team and has an everyday role. But uh, there is serious concern there. You, you can get him after pick 300 easily in a lot of drafts. So there is potential for some upside. Um, a couple more upside bats we'll talk about here. Older guys, you talked health issues with, with Lucas Duda. Well, Carlos Gomez is the spitting image of a health issue. And he goes to Tampa Bay, and we know if he can play every day, uh, Jeff Zimmerman came out with an article basically comparing Carlos Gomez and Steven Souza Jr., and they're almost identical, minus the age. Um, it could be intriguing. You get them really, really late. Are you willing to take a stab on Gomez or just go elsewhere? Again, the injuries scare me. The What scares me just as much as the injuries, his K rate, his like 32 years ago, and last year it was 30 again. He really strikes out way too much. His BABIP was a 336, and he still only hit 255. So that tells me that his average might be even lower than it was last year. But he does get the stolen bases, which will lead to some sort of value. And he should be hitting in the middle of the order. I could see Tampa using him as trade bait down the line. Hopefully he gets off to a hot start, gets traded to maybe a contender around midway midway through the season. I'll take a flyer on him before I take a flyer on Duda, just because of where I'm going to get him at. Like you said, Duda's going to skyrocket up boards now. And Gomez could steal you 20 bases in a in a really, really, really good year. So I would take the flyer on Gomez there. Yeah, that last part is very big because Gomez, on, on a good year, if he plays, I'd say, 140-plus, preferably 150-plus games, 
in the middle of that order, he could be a 2020 guy potentially, like on a really good year, and you're going to get him so late, one of your last picks in a draft. So there's a lot to like about that when you're trying to fill categories in a Roto League. Um, the last transaction, we're not going to go over every transaction that took place, but this one has a little bit of fantasy relevance because he's going to the Marlins. He's going to be in the middle of that order. He's going to have everyday at-bats, similar to the, the other guys we've talked about. But Cameron Mabin, he's still only 31 years old, brings a lot of speed to the base pads. Like, we're talking 30-plus steal potential with some pop. Um, and he, he, he's definitely intriguing to me. What are your thoughts on Cameron Mabin? Definitely intriguing. And um, it disappointed me that he only hit 228 last year. But he did steal the 33 bases in the 114 games. But in 2016, he hit 315. But he also had an absurd 383 Babbitt. And it's kind of the same situation with Gomez. They're both injury prone. And I think they're both going to be used as trade bait. Same thing with Gomez. If Mabin gets off to hot start, maybe Miami trades him to a contender midway. And that could even boost his value a little bit more. But with everyday at-bats in the outfield and – the 33 stolen bases from last year, looking to capitalize on that. I think Mabin, Mabin's definitely somebody I'm going to get at least one share of late in the draft. Yeah, I'm with you. He's one of those guys, um, every guy, every person which should have kind of an idea of late round guys are targeting to fill categories when you're doing a draft. And he's one like I'm going to him in the queue every draft. And uh, just in case I finish, I know I need steals late because I really like the upside of him. And the big part to me is, you know, Carlos Gomez, Mid 30s, I believe, and you got uh, Maven 31 years old, so big difference there. Let's talk Seattle Mariners baseball with uh, with Mike here. He's he's up in in the New York area, but he loves his Mariners. What, first off, how did that come to be? So I'm 27 now. When I was about 15, I started doing fantasy baseball, and once 2005 came, Felix came into the league. And I owned them. And the next year we did a redraft. I owned them again. The next year we did a redraft. I owned them again. Then we switched to keeper league. And now Felix is at the top of his game. So obviously I'm, I kept Felix. Fast forward 10 years now, 11 years, I probably missed about 25 Felix Hernandez starts out of the 325 he's thrown or whatever it is. And in turn, some watching so much Felix made me a Mariner fan. So that's that's my Felix story there. The beauty of fantasy baseball right there. Yeah. Yep, wow. yep. Now, the Mariners, they have – it feels like an older team, at least the big names, of course. But it's a very intriguing team. When I started making the kind of list here, I, I could have kept going because I have a lot of questions about this team. But we'll try to keep it kind of simple for the most part. We'll start with Robinson Cano. He's not as flashy a name to many, in, at least in the industry, as he used to be. I still find myself gravitating towards him in the, the if he's still sitting around the fourth round or so in drafts because I know that upside is still there. What are you expecting out of Cano? Because he is going into his – he's 35 years old. He's going to be 36 at the end of this in October. So what are you seeing with Cano? So Cano, uh, there's definitely the good and there's definitely the bad. The good is that you know he's going to play 150 games no matter what. The guy's out there almost every day. The bad is that he's just not adapting to the whole fly ball launch angle theory that's going on in baseball these days. He just hits the ball on the ground way too much. It's over 50% from last year, and the league average is only 44%. So he's pretty far away from league average as it is. So obviously he's not going to hit the 39 homers he did in 2016. And Steamer has him projected at 282, 25-92, which is something that I'd be happy with if he did go 25-92. And this lineup, he should have a chance of doing that. He Last year he went 280-23-97, so it would probably be a little bit of a better year if Steamer projects him. I don't, I'm not too sold on that. 
But if he does anything he did around last year, the 280-23-97, I'm all for it. He's the eighth second baseman, I think, over the last month on NFPC, which is right around where I think his value should be at. And that's why I like him, because people are saying, well, he's not the Robbie of the old, and I, and I get that. But when you're getting him now, you're, he's not the first second baseman off the board like he used to be. You're getting him at the eighth second baseman, you know, four, five, six rounds, depending on your league size in a draft. Well, now he seems very reasonable to me. So uh, good to hear from a Mariners fan's perspective. Let's talk uh, D. Gordon, a new acquisition this offseason, going to move to center field, which concerns some because of the whole position change and how players can adapt to that. But he still has his speed, and he does hit for average. Steamer, 280 projection with 45 stolen bases, which to me is kind of down from what we're used to with him. What are you expecting from D. Gordon this year, and are you even taking a chance on him? I love D. Gordon. I, I owned him last year in Miami and the year before even. I'm a big D. Gordon guy, but to take him as the third second baseman, which is his ADP right now, I'm not in love with. I'll still take Dozier, and I'll still maybe even take Murphy over him. Like you said, with the steamer projections, if I'm drafting D. Gordon as high as I'm going to have to draft him, his ADP overall is like 29, then I want more than 45 stolen bases. So one injury is going to take him completely off track, and he's not going to get to that 60. That's what I'm worried about. It's just one little blip in the radar. It might change everything, and you're wasting a, a top 30 pick on him. But speed definitely does kill, and he's leading off in a great lineup. He's going to have the chance at a high run total. And he, like you said, he's a 300 hitter. But – I'm not going to reach for him before I would take a Dozier or a Murphy or maybe even somebody else. And, and that's the thing with those big stolen base guys that don't have a bunch of power categories to, to aid to it. You know, one injury and everything you drafted them for so early is out the window. It's like the Billy Hamilton thing. Would you like to go early on Billy Hamilton? Sure. If you tell me he's going to be healthy and get me 60-plus stolen bases, definitely. One stint on the DL and that all goes out the window. So Trey Turner. Definitely. Yeah, Trey Turner. I, I was just talking with someone before this about Trey because I love what Trey Turner has to offer. I think most people do, but there is a gigantic risk reward. At least D. Gordon or or uh, Billy Hamilton, you get maybe in the second or third round, maybe later in drafts. Trey, Trey Turner is a top five pick. A lot of times, third, so he can make or break your draft real quick. And it's uh, it's gonna be fun to watch this year and see how it goes. He went third in our draft, so yep. we shall, we shall see. Let's go Kyle Seager, third baseman, one of the most consistent guys in baseball. Uh, but last year saw a dip in the average. I was told he's a believer in the launch angle revolution now. So that's why the second half much better than the first half. What do you have on Kyle Seager? I think Seager's become an underrated guy. He's His year last year, he only had 249. But for six straight years, he's played, hit over 20 homers and played over 150 games. And I don't know how many third basemen in the league could say that. And he's a perennial sole starter, so – People are going to draft him. He's going to have the slow April like he always does. I think he has a, a 248 career April average, and people are just going to try and give him away. So that's when you really got to go out there and get him because last year, career low and average and Babbitt, and going as a 17th third baseman, I think he has great value there. I don't think he's even close to the 17th worst third baseman in the league. Yeah, he has tremendous value there. I was talking with Justin Mason on one of your guys' shows the other day, and He's definitely going way too low. The consistency, like you said, pull up the uh, baseball perspective, fan graphs, whatever, just log of his last few years, and it's literally 600-plus games. Like, uh, all, or 600-plus at-bats, 150-plus games, so on and so forth, like you said. And it's uh, it's outstanding. That's something we just don't see enough of these days. So I agree with you tremendously. You're going to get a guy with 20-plus homers almost every year and the 17 third baseman off the board. There's some third basemen going in front of him that should not be going in front of him at all. It's, uh, that, that, 
Yeah, Jake Lamb. That they're even Moustakas doesn't have a job right now. Um, it, only way I could see him going, I could be okay with it. If he goes to the Yankees at that short porch, okay, give me yeah. more Moustakas. But <laughs> if he goes somewhere else, well, I don't know. But it'll be interesting. Let's talk about another one of your your veterans that is as consistent as it comes as well. Almost thirty plus homers every year, almost every year since two thousand and eleven. And he hits for average the last few years, 288, 287, 302, 271. DH only or utility only in most leagues, most leagues. Talking Nelly Cruz, the guy that just does not stop raking and, street, and streamer, steamer, sorry, continues to think he hits this year. What's your thoughts on Nelly, who goes too late, in my opinion, as well, or overlooked? I, I totally agree. This guy's 37 years old, and he hits like he's in his prime right now. He was one homer away last year of having four straight 40 home run seasons, which is absolutely absurd. And the fact that he's going not even in the top 50, his average ADP is 56. I think people are so scared of the utility tag that he has that they're passing on him, passing on, passing on. And that's when a good manager or somebody, in my opinion, would be smart to swoop in and take a cruise if you could get him somewhere in that 50 to 60 range. I think that's a home run for you. Yeah, no, definitely. And that, that's what's crazy. And you said past the 50 range. Now, there's like there's two types of draft people, it seems like. The ones that want the flashy new name or there's guys that already sounds kind of like me and you, the way we're talking about some of these players, that I'll take my chance with the consistency that I know still has upside. Then some, like I will gamble once in a while, but not nearly the way you'll see some people gamble in a draft. And, hey, if the gambles pay off, obviously you're great. But if you put like a Seager in a Cruz, even a Cano, like you have the team for consistency. You put those three guys – where they're getting drafted, you could have a tremendous upside already, and people don't look at it that way because they're not the flashy new names. So. Oh, for sure, and I think the same applies for guys, older guys like Adrian Beltre. Who, um, I love Beltre. Uh, yeah, I love Beltre too, but everybody's down on him because of his age. The guy's still going to go out there and hit you 30 homers in a healthy season, you know? Yeah, Beltre's going after Seager, for crying out loud. I think yeah. he's – last time I checked, he was 19th or 20th off the board. That's, he plays, he hits, man. Yeah, that's the thing. At least Seager – has shown the health. Beltre, I'll listen to that argument at least a little bit. Yeah. But uh, but there's a lot of players like that, exactly. Let's talk about your young catcher, Mike Zunino. The power finally showed up consistently last year. Average, not so much. He was a big-time prospect in their system. Is this the signs that we're going to start seeing consistency from Zunino, or is this kind of a one-year power wonder? I might be in the minority here, but I just I'm so done with Mike Zunino. I've I've stated this before on a couple other podcasts and on my Twitter. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mike Zunino, I want really nothing to do with. I'm pretty much over him. Even with his 25 home runs last year, he still struck out an absurd 37%, which is absurd to me. And I'd much rather have a, a Jonathan Lucroy or a Wellington Castillo over at Mike Zanino, and those guys are both going behind him. I don't know if you feel the same or not, but I'm just totally over Mike Zanino. No, I I, I loved Zanino when he first came up because I bought into the hype, and I'm kind of like you. I'm done with that now. Um, I'll let people take him. I think if he's, if he were on the waiver wire and I needed power for a week or two, okay, I'll talk to you. But for the season, no, I you hit one name I absolutely love, Beef Wellington. I'm a big, big fan of that move to Chicago. We saw he did in Baltimore last year. He's, seen, he's done in his career. I think he's going to make a great catcher, uh, especially for fantasy on that team. I love a guy like Wilson Ramos, who's kind of – depends on who you talk to. I'm super high on him, but then it, it, you look at the NFPC, he's not – most people aren't as high on him, which is fine with me. But uh, And then Jonathan Lucroy is a guy I've slowly dug into. That's a great name because he still doesn't have a home, and a lot of people think about last season on how bad he was, but 
this guy can hit. People forget he was one of the best hitters in baseball, and I don't think he lost that after one year. So I'll definitely – I'm curious to see where he lands. If he has an everyday job, he definitely moves up the radar for me. I agree with you completely. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about your closer, um, Edwin Diaz. Lights out stuff, insanely good stuff. Kind of, you know, had a few hiccups last year, but still finished very, very well. The K's percentage was – our K per nine was down from 2016, but still very respectable. Uh, talking to J- Jason Collette on Tuesday, Diaz is developing a filthy changeup, which if he gets that to work, like, good night. So what's your thoughts on Diaz this year? Does he bounce back, or are there still some concerns? Yeah, the the Diaz argument here, I would love to really just get into it with you, but it's just so simple. If he doesn't if he doesn't walk people the way he walked people last year, he's a top three closer, and that's pretty much it. His walk percentage last year was 11.5. It's never been that high. Even the league average is only 8.5. If he can figure out how to get uh, his control issue from last year over the course of this season, he's going to be a top three closer. He's only 23 years old. And hopefully the signing of Nicasio and Phelps being there, those guys knocking on the door, puts a little pressure on him to to perform. So I'm expecting big things out of Diaz this year. Yeah, I love Diaz. And I guess that change, it could be nasty. Didn't really hit on any of your starting pitchers. I am a gigantic James Paxton fan. Not sure your thoughts on him. If he could ever stay healthy, I don't think he's thrown over 140 innings ever, which is really struggling just sucks but uh, I, i'm a big fan of his felix we saw got hurt the other day but where he's going in drafts i have no problem taking a gamble on felix that late like people forget how good he used to be and i know it's not the same king felix but hey he's projected to have about a four era and where you're getting him in drafts that's still very very good so uh, any any final thoughts on your mariners maybe a little project uh, prediction on how they're going to do this year well, for Felix's sake, I'm hoping they do good because they haven't made the playoffs since he's been there in 2005. And next year is going to be his last year there with the team option for 2020. I doubt they're going to pick up the team option, so especially with the money involved. So this is pretty much do or die time for Felix because I don't know. You're looking at an older team here, so I don't know what next year is going to bring. So this is pretty much his last hurrah here with the Mariners. I just wanted to ask you a question real quick. You mentioned Paxton. And I was talking about this with some other guys from uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits. If you're in a draft and Paxton and Nola are both available, who are you taking? That is so tilting because last year I was like on the Paxton bandwagon, and this year I'm on the. I love everything about Nola. Oh, is it a keeper or a redraft? Probably redraft, right? Yeah, do redraft. Yeah, redraft. So Nola's like 24, 25. Paxton's 29. I'm gonna go Nola, but the answer's probably Paxton. You got you got a guy that's been at about a three ERA for the most part. It's just the consistency with the innings is scary. But yeah, if Paxton can somehow reach that 175 inning plateau there, he's gonna be a yeah. top top five, top ten fantasy pitcher this year for sure. Exactly, that's the thing is that's why that's way harder than people think because I take Nola any chance I can for the most part. But if you pin those two, that's an outstanding comparison right there because. It's just all about health because Paxton is that good. Yeah, so. I agree. I'll take Nola too, but I can see the argument both ways there. Definitely. That's that's one of those really kind of interesting arguments that would be fun to rehash at the end of the season to see how that one played out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but like you were saying with the Mariners, or I was saying with the Mariners, I think this is pretty much it. I think they're, all their chips are on the table here, and 2018 is going to be a, a do-or-die year for them because once these guys' contracts start running out, they're going to start moving people and – and they're going to probably go into a rebuild. So we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, yeah, it'll be an interesting year and a very interesting AL West this year with the Angels improvements. Rangers always find a way to make it kind of interesting. A's should be actually inter- could be good actually. And then of course you have uh, the the Houston Astros who just obviously won the World Series. Yeah. So yeah, should be a good one. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry. All the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The, no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out. And there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones. But everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at rotoware. But the cool part, guys... If you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's talk fantasy baseball outfielders this week. I'm just going to go over the top 30. We're going to split them up like we do at most positions, 1 through 10, 11 through 20, 21 through 30. Next episode, we'll do more outfielders as it gets deeper and deeper. But we'll just kind of compare some of the top 10 first and get your opinions on some guys as deep or as short of an answer as you want. It's fine with me. We won't even talk about Mike Trout because that is Captain Obvious in the room. But we kind of talked about it before we started the podcast because uh, Mike and I are in the same TG – or I always screwed up. Great fans. <laughs> TGFBI uh, league, and Mike has the first pick. I have the second, so we're going to probably snipe each other a lot this year. Um, but when it comes to the outfield, on the NFBC since February 1st, you have Blackman, Betts, Stanton, and Harper. Two, three, four, five. We saw it go Betts, I believe Harper, Stanton, Blackman, if I remember correctly. It could – Stan might have even went in front of Harper, actually. Um, what's your thoughts on those four? Because we mentioned Blackman's dropping a lot. I'm big on bets. I think he could have a huge year. Not so much on Stan. And Harper going behind those guys already just confuses me. Yeah, so it was um, – sorry, I was looking it up while you were saying it. It um, was Blackman, bets, bet, Har- oh, sorry. bets, Harper, Stanton, Blackman was the order it went in in the, uh, in the draft for us so far. And the Stan pick was obviously a little weird. What player did you want me to touch on? Uh, just kind of how do you, you can kind of rank those four in your opinion, like how you view those this year in a fantasy perspective. So I'm a big Blackman guy as long as he's in Colorado. I mean, his splits are insane. The guy hit like 400 in Colorado last year. And as long as he's there, I have no issue with taking him as the second outfielder behind Trout. And with Betts, Stan, Harper, I wouldn't take Stan before Harper or Betts. What Harper's potential could be is obviously out of this world. And I don't want to miss him having that year where he wins his MVP again or does even better than his MVP year, but I'll still take bets before Harper. So I'm at Blackman bets, Harper Stanton, but I don't, I don't know if this guy's trying to make a name for himself in the TG FBI. The great, yeah. TG FBI. Yeah, I have to do it every time. <laughs> I don't know if he's trying to make a name for himself by taking Stanton there before with Blackman on the board and even guys like Goldschmidt and sale and Kershaw, but I'm taking, I think Stanton's the worst out of those four. 
Yeah, I do as well, and that's why I'm kind of uh, interested in it. Now, obviously, I said they're three, four, five on NFBC, but picks wise, it's like eight point oh seven, eight point two, eight point five five. So they're all all mixing around. Someone actually took Stanton number one in the draft. It shows that's insane. Probably a big but, Yeah, let's talk about the sixth and seventh outfielder off the board. Uh, one's going eighteenth, one's going twenty fourth. Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger, your AL NL Rookie of the Years, and this is kind of one of those. You're all in or you're not, and I, I am not all in on Aaron Judge by any means. Cody Bellinger, you can talk to me about, but I don't still think I can pay the price. Are you going to see yourself with much of these two guys? No, I'm not. I never really was high on either of them. Bellinger a little more than Judge, I'd say. The strikeout rates are just way too high for me, and what they, what Bellinger ended up doing in the playoffs last year raised a ton of red flags. What Judge did in the second half raised a ton of red flags. I'll let other people reach for these guys because of their names. And I'll sit back and take a guy like Andrew Benatendi or J.D. Martinez, guys that are going after him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is J.D. Martinez, I'd take, I'd take him over Stanton, personally. Um, <laughs> I'd have J.D. way up there. But um, two more guys here, George Springer, Andrew Benatendi. These are two youngsters that I think could take a big jump this year. And at the ninth and 10th guys off the boards, the 30th and 40th pick overall, you could get a big return here. Are you seeing the, the jump and improvement for these youngsters, or maybe I seeing something differently? Yeah, these are two. Well, Benatendi's super young, and he's coming off a season 2020. He's an easy 2020 guy, and to see what his uh, what his ceiling will be will be fun because he's definitely going to put up some crazy fantasy numbers in the next couple of years. I'll probably take Springer before him, though, just because yeah. Springer's more – I don't know. Personally, I like Springer a little bit more than Benatendi, but I could see the argument for taking Benatendi over Springer. No, and I'm with you. I've been taking Springer. Uh, I guess I can tell you because you have the first pick, so you won't be able to snipe me on this. But <laughs> in a ton of my mock drafts from the two spot, I've been getting Springer more often than not on that next pick. Yeah. And I've been okay, I've been okay with an Altuve Springer start. It's a all Astro start, but it's not a bad one to have in my opinion. No, no. Uh, Let's go 11 through 20 as it's going to be more big-name outfielders here. But they got Ozuna, Hoskins, Upton, Yellick, Marte, Buxton, Pham, Pollock, Hamilton, Chris, Davis with a K. I'm going to hit on a couple of these guys. Reese Hoskins. This guy is as polarizing as the Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger lovers out there. But he plays in a great ballpark, and you don't have to pay a premium for him like you do with the other two. Do you see yourself with some Reese Hoskins? I was like the biggest Reese Hoskins fan at the end of last season. Every time he homered, I, I owned him in a couple of leagues, so I was going nuts. And I was actually trying to become the president of the Reese Hoskins fan club, but the Phillies never never tweeted me back on that one. So I was all over Hoskins, and then the offseason progressed, and now everybody's just – the helium is insane on Hoskins. And as much as I wanted him earlier, now – I don't want to pay for him at that at that draft price. I still think there's a couple guys behind him that will do a little bit better than him, and I'll still take guys like Ozuna before him, but I'm not going to reach for Hoskins, which kind of sucks because I was all in on Hoskins pretty much before everybody else was. Yeah, I love Reese Hoskins, Reese Lightning. Just the power. Like, he was so much fun to watch, period, in baseball last year. But I agree. You got a guy like Marcelo Ozuna going right before him, and the guy I want to ask you about – we mentioned Nelson Cruz, and we're going to get to him eventually. That's the sad part. We're top 20. He's still not even in the list. Um, but Justin Upton is another one of those really consistent guys. People forget he's not even that old. They think he's been around forever because he has been. But he's he's young, in the middle of an order with Mike Trout involved. And we saw just consistent, consistent, consistent numbers. Would you have a guy over of Upton over Reese Hoskins? 
No, I'll stick with Hoskins there. Upton, he comes up with the numbers at the end, but he's just a little too streaky for me. And I hate watching streaky players like we talked about before, I think, with uh, Logan Morrison and Duda. And just owning streaky players isn't something that I'm, I'm too interested in. And Hoskins has the great plate discipline, so he's fun to watch. On top of the home runs, he'll get his walks and he'll look at pitches that most people won't look at, you know? Oh, yeah. No, he can be – Justin Upton can be very, very tilting. There's no yeah. question about that. Uh, Christian Yellick, he's going 50th, 51st overall. Do you believe in a potential increase in power? Because we know he's the, he's more of a line drive ground ball guy. People think he'll adjust in Milwaukee. I think he'll steal a ton, which has tremendous value. But do you believe in a power upside in Yellick, or are people just grasping at it? Uh, a little bit. Nothing too crazy. Uh, I'm a big Yellick guy because – I loved what he did in Miami. I think he'll do even better in uh, Milwaukee here. And it's surprising that Benintendi's top 10 and Yelich is, what, 11, 12, 14. So between 10 and 14, I don't know who you'd rather have, but I can make the argument for taking Yelich before Benintendi. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Yelich fan. I, I liked him before they even traded him. I, I've been on him every year. Obviously, you didn't have to take him this high, but you have a guy that he's basically a five-tool player. Uh, five category players, I should say. And mm-hmm. that's something I cherish big time. That's a huge deciding factor when I'm picking between guys because you got a guy like Upton in front of him. Might have more power, but overall Christian could have a much better year. A guy like Starling Marte behind him could be a five-category guy, but he's another one of those streaky guys. Yellick has done it time and time again. And he goes to a better ballpark, better lineup, everything's better, period. I'll, uh, I, I like Yellick a lot, and I agree. I could push him. Would you take Yellick over Hoskins? Um, to be honest, to be honest with you, at this point, probably. Yeah, no, I don't argue with that at all. Cause, yeah, probably, because like like I mentioned earlier, Hoskins. As much as I love him, he still is very risky because we only saw it for a few months. Mm-hmm. So I'll I will take my risks later in the draft usually. And people uh, forget he had a he had a terrible into the year last year, Hoskins. Oh yeah, yes, definitely. Talking about a risky pick, you don't have to go too deep on this because I think I might know your opinion on it, but I got to mention him. Byron Buxton, It's every second half he flourishes and makes every offseason like this is the year. Is this the year for Byron Buxton? I'm actually, contrary to popular belief, a big Buxton guy. His profiles aren't the greatest. He strikes out a lot, doesn't walk enough. His plate discipline is not really there. But his ceiling is there, and he could easily be one of the best fantasy players in baseball if everything clicks. Problem is, not not everything has clicked yet, and I don't know if everything's going to click this year or even in the next couple of years. But if it does all click, he'll be one of the best. Am I going to go out there and reach for him? Probably not, because I don't think it's all going to click yet. But if it does, like I said, he'll be one of the best players in fantasy. Okay, I'll put three names out there. Tell me which one you'd rather – or rank all three. And if you don't want any of them, just let me know. Marte, Buxton, Billy Hamilton. I'll take Buxton. I'll do Buxton, Marte, Hamilton. Okay. Last guy I'll ask you about here in this 11 through 20 range. He exploded onto the scene last year. He had a three his his slash line 300, 400, 500 basically. He's got 2020 potential. I'm talking Tommy Pham, and there are some people like one of your good coworkers and Matt Thompson there, not a homer at all because he's actually very adamant on this is in love with Tommy Pham. And there are some that really, really love him and some that want nothing to do with him. What's your opinion on Tommy Pham this year? Because I found myself slowly gravitating to him in drafts. I'm actually in between the love and the hate here with Pham. That's kind of how I am, yeah. 
Yeah, I've read all the good. I've read all the bad. And it's funny because he seems like a pretty cocky guy. He said he wanted to go 30-30 this year. But um, so did Hanley Ramirez. So take that with a grain of salt. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, with Fam, he strikes out a little bit too much. But his, his plate discipline, before this whole eye thing, that's another thing that kind of scares me with him. Before this whole eye thing, he was on fire. And then the eye thing happened. He says he's all over that now. I do like Fam. If I could get him at a bargain, then I'll go after him. I'm not going to reach for him. But like I was saying, I'm kind of in the middle. So if I get him for his value or at a bargain, then I'll go after him. All right. Let's go 21 through 30. And the drop from 20 to 21, it goes 68, 69, all the way to 86, 87. So there's a big drop off here after that top 20. We got Locaine, Domingo Santana, Andrew McCutcheon, Chris Taylor, Jonas Espedes, Nick Castellanos, Ian Desmond, Yasiel Puig, Ronald Acuna, and Ryan Braun. So this is a massive area of question marks to me. So you got Locaine going to Milwaukee. You got Domingo Santana in Milwaukee. 21st, 22nd, outfielders off the board. You got the concerns about Santana's playing time, but I think he could be a tremendous player given the time. Just what's your quick thoughts on the Milwaukee duo and Kane and Santana? I'm a big Kane guy. I like Kane a lot, and I think he'll he'll have a very good year in Milwaukee. And like you said with Santana, the thing is the playing time. I'm not willing to risk. Um, I don't know if you have his ADP in front of you. Do you for Domingo Santana? Yeah, he's going 22nd outfielder, 89th overall. Yeah, I'd rather wait another 10, 15 picks and take a guy like Andrew McCutcheon if I can. And go for Santana in the top 90 picks or 89, like you said it was, just because I'm not so certain about his playing time or where he's going to end up playing this year. Well, I hate to be the baron of bad news, but McCutcheon's draft stock has rose quickly. He's up to 80. He's right behind him at 89.37 now. So oh, he's flying up there. It's As a Giants fan, that surprises the crap out of me <laughs> because didn't see that one coming. Um, I actually um, got McCutcheon at – Pick 99 overall in the FWFP staff league. Outstanding. I thought that was a good one, yeah. No, I, I like him a lot. We, went, we we talked about him on your podcast, so people go check out Mike's uh, the Rotocop podcast there at Fantasy Assembly. Um, and I gave my thoughts on him, and I think he'll be just fine in San Francisco. I'm not too worried about that at all. But um, Chris Taylor, this is a guy I just can't wrap my head around. I, the stats were there. But when you're 29, almost 30, coming out of nowhere, I just can't figure it out. Do you have an opinion on Chris Taylor? He's going 90 overall. Yeah, I'm not sold on Taylor. And he's one of the guys that left the Mariners and became awesome, like the Justin Smokes and the Logan Morrisons and Dominic Leone and everybody else. But with Taylor, at the beginning of the offseason, I found myself comparing him a lot to Marvin Gonzalez as far as value goes. But when you take a deeper look into the numbers, I think Marvin Gonzalez is a little bit of a safer play. Um, Taylor's BABIP was a 361, which is absurd, and he had 288. So obviously that's not going to be sustainable. So his average is going to go down, and his strikeout rate was over league averages at 25%. So I'm not huge on Taylor. In the beginning of the offseason, I was a little higher on him. If I could get him at a good value, I'll still go after him. He's not a bad player by any means, but I'm not going to reach for him, and I'm probably not going to draft him in his current ADP stock. Would drafting him at a, as a second baseman change your mind, or just not? Period. Uh, what's he? What is he it's, ranked? He's, he's, he's ninety point five. What about in second base? It'll be, that's his overall pick. He's ranked twenty fourth as outfielder. I can check second base real quick. Give me two seconds. Yeah, yeah, just out of curiosity. He's the ninety and a half overall. 
So at second base, he's the ninth second base right behind uh, Robbie Cano. All right. Um, I think it's a little too high. I'll probably take him around 12 or 13. Maybe um, I'll take Ozzy Albies over him. Mm-hmm. I'll probably take – see, Taylor would be in that Eduardo Nunez, DJ Mayhew uh, group for me. Okay. And, and you, you mentioned Mario Gonzalez, which is interesting because he's the 31st outfielder, so we won't really get too deep into him today. But – you got Chris Taylor going 90.5 overall and, and Gonzalez 114. So you can save almost a full round in some leagues on him. So Yeah, for sure. Definitely intriguing. Um, we'll skip over Suspendus, Castellanos. Ian Desmond is a guy that I've been hearing more and more and more of lately. 27th outfielder off the board. I know he's first base eligible, and he's, he's probably 15th – or no, he's around top 10 at first base. I'll check that in a minute. But uh, he's going about 110.5 overall in drafts. He does provide some steals and some power in Coors. Is a guy like Desmond on your radar as an option, or are you just kind of scooting past him? Um, I'm kind of in between on Desmond. He has a stolen bases, which is why he's where he is on everybody's draft board. I mean, he did steal 15 bases in 95 games, so he was looking at a 20 stolen base season. And if he could get his power a little bit and get those 20 home runs, he could be a sneaky 2020 guy that not too many people would think of as being a 2020 guy, but I'm kind of in between on Desmond. There's, there's a lot of at-bats to a lot of guys looking for at-bats in Colorado. And with his, him being injury prone, he's like a, a bad start to the season away from not having everyday at-bats, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'm torn on him because the injury risk is real with him. He's the 13th first baseman off the board. And, um, he between Ryan McManel that talked about him playing first base, then Desmond going to the outfield. Well, the outfield's pretty full still with Dahl coming back. Maybe it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk Yasiel Puig, 28th outfielder off the board, going 110.7. So right behind Ian Desmond, coming off a, a pretty darn good year. He did hit 263, but he's done that in back to back years. So his average is kind of what we expect the last three years. But he showed uh, 28 homer power, 74 ribbies, 15 stolen bases. Played 152 games, hasn't played that many games since 2014. Are we buying into Pui? Because we know the talent's there. His head seems to be right for once, but that could change in a moment's notice. Um, are we liking Pui this year? Because this could become nice value. Yeah, I like Pui. Obviously, he's an incredible athlete. He um, His walk percentage is great, 11.2. His K percentage is great, 17.5. To have 20 home runs and only strike out 17.5% of the time. That's great. He played in 152 games. There's pretty much nothing about Yasiel Puig's season that I don't like. And if I could get that at the bare minimum for this year, I'm, I'm definitely buying on Puig. All right. Last guy I'll ask you about here. He's a 20th outfitter off the board, one almost 114th overall. Ronald Acuna, this is the first prospect for the most part off the boards. The talent is legit as it comes. Skyrocketed through the minors last year. People – need to realize he's all barely of 20 years old, but he went through all the sets of eight, started an A-ball, double-A, triple-A last year, in 139 total games, hit 325 with 21 homers, 44 stolen bases. He did get caught 20 times, which makes you – there's the good that he ran that much, bad that he got caught that much. Did strike out a bit, 144 Ks. Are you one of the guys that's willing to take a dart on Acuna, or are you just saying, nope, I got to see this? In a redraft, I don't think he's going to be up till midseason. He's, what is he like? He's like three for 13 in the spring so far yeah. uh, with a couple RBIs. In a redraft, I'm not interested. Obviously, in a dynasty league, uh, everything changes. 
he's one of the top guys you're looking at, but in a redraft, I'm I'm looking past him. Yeah, no, that's kind of where I I love I love the uh, the upside with him. He's that guy that'd be fun to watch on your team all year. There's no doubt about it, but yeah, it might not be worth it for sure. Yeah. But all right, Mike. Uh, anything you're working on coming out that you wanna you wanna mention as we wrap this up? We just came out with the draft guide for Friends with Fantasy Benefits. You could find that on Amazon. Type in, uh, I think it's Friends with Benefits, or you could get the link on my Twitter or Justin Mason's Twitter or the Friends with Fantasy Benefits Twitter. I got a couple of good interviews coming up on Fantasy Assembly. I don't want to give them away yet until they're, they're 100% booked. I actually just had Trevor May on my podcast from the Minnesota Twins last week, and he was a good guy to talk to. He's coming out with his own podcast, and he's a smart guy. He's actually a valedictorian in his high school class. He's a really smart guy, so to hear him talk about baseball is pretty cool. But other than that, you guys could follow me on Twitter at Mike the Rotocop. And thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, anytime, man. That was great talking to you about the fantasy baseball, baseball in general. So anytime, we will definitely do this again. But again, check Mike out on Twitter at Mike the Rotocop. And thanks for listening, everybody. This was Bench with Bubba, episode seventy-six. We'll check you guys next time.